All right. Um, I wonder if you feel like you're missing something in life. A lot of us go through different phases where we have that sense to one degree or another. Think, wow, everything's lining up, but it's still not quite what I wish it was. Some people go through their whole lives actually kind of seeking and wishing and trying to find something and they never find it. They feel like they've searched, they've looked in every place. Advertising, if you think about it, is usually based on a promise to help you find what it is you're looking for. Maybe to create a need and then help you find it or just help you find a need you know you already have. All of us have a need it actually animates a lot of our lives, our daily decisions, even all of human society. And my observation is that most people, sadly, don't ever find a resolution in their search. So today, I hope that we can take a helpful step on that journey as we open up to the book of Colossians, which is where we're studying this fall. We're talking about the book of Colossians in the context of how our hearts transform, how, how it is that you go from one kind of person to another kind of person, how your life actually changes, and what role Jesus plays in that. Last week, I thought Pastor Dell brought an amazing amount of clarity to what it is that is good news about Jesus coming, why Jesus changes our trajectory, and today we're just going to pick up right where he left off and continue on. So you can look to chapter 1, verse 24. We'll read that in just a moment. But I wanted to, t I wanted to call your attention back to verse 6. Talking about the gospel, the good news. It says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives. So we, we can celebrate good news and gospel advance and wonderful things happening globally or happening throughout history, but you don't just have to look at those for evidence of the power of the good news. You can look at your own life. If you have trusted in Jesus, if you've put your faith in him, then you also have a story of how much of a difference that makes. Now remember, the church that this book was written to was in the city of Colossae, and one of the things that was being addressed in writing this was the fact that this church was being confronted with some false teaching. Um, alongside of the gospel, alongside of the good news about Jesus, they were starting to hear that there were things they needed to add to the story. We're going to add some rules. We'll add some spiritualism. Well, there's some secret knowledge. There's some extra wisdom that most people don't have. And if you want the real Christian life, if you want the upgraded, if you want the premium edition of all this, you have to listen to these extra teachers, right? So, so the Colossians, who were mostly new Christians, were understandably confused by this, and Paul writes them this letter to help them recognize that the truth that is in Jesus is actually the truth that they're looking for, that the world would have them search in all different directions to find more or different or something that they can grab a hold of, but what they need is actually already in their hands. And that's true for you and I as well. Okay, the gospel is good news because it completes us and it connects us to God's love. There is no deeper level, there's no next step, there's no more out there that you can attain that somehow adds to what Jesus has done. 
what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, in fact, is the answer to what you've been seeking and searching for. Jesus saved us from alienation. Pastor Dell talked about that last week. That doing life on our own, doing life apart from God's family, being disassociated with him, that's, that's the loss that sin brought to our world. Separation from God, alienation from God's family. Jesus came not just to show us the way, but to become the way for any one of us to come back into fellowship with God. So, amazing story. There's lots to learn. If you missed last week, I really think it's critical in understanding what Colossians is all about, and more than just this series, really is fundamental to what Christianity is all about. Um, you can pick that up on our church website or our podcast feed on Apple uh, Podcasts. I would encourage you to go and listen to that if you missed it. It's really, really an important link in the chain of what we're learning this fall. But today, we're going to pick it up in verse 24, Colossians 1.24, and see a little bit about why the Apostle Paul is so excited and also so resolute in communicating this message to the church of Colossae. So he says, I, this is Paul, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Paul wrote this letter from prison, and along the way, Paul had endured all sorts of physical persecutions because he was a preacher of the gospel. He said, I welcome that. I'm glad for that, especially when I know it's actually advancing the mission. It's like I'm participating in the suffering. Jesus suffered for the church. I'm willing to suffer along with him for the church. Verse 25, God has given me responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. So to the Colossians who are worried they were missing something, he's saying, hey, listen, I'm giving you the whole story. There's nothing else. What, I'm, what, I'm, what I've been commissioned, what I'm suffering for is the story. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ that are for you too, you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. That's the secret. The fullness of life. Everything that your life is supposed to become, everything your heart is longing for, the answer is that Christ lives in you. We'll talk about why that's the case in just a moment. I do think it's interesting that he doesn't say this wisdom that's been you know, hidden from ages past, it's Jesus around you. It's Jesus next to you. It's going and hanging out with other people who believe in Jesus. That's not where the answer is. The answer is Christ in you. And if that isn't a reality for you, then you are actually missing the key to life. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Verse 28, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. 
can almost imagine Paul saying, like, why do you think I'm running so hard? Why do you think I'm working so much? Why do you think I'm enduring so much? It's because this is the answer. There isn't anything else. Chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church of Laodicea. And for many other believers I've never met personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. God isn't trying to hide anything anymore. You can have confidence. You've got it. There's the plan. Well, what is it? Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. So to a church that was confused, that thought maybe they were missing something, he's saying, look, I'm proclaiming it, you've got it, it's right in front of you, the answer is Christ in you. Now, just because you belong to a church that believes that doesn't mean that that's true for you. Maybe you're a part of a family that believes that. That doesn't mean it's true for you either. Christ in you is intensely personal, right? I can't judge whether Christ is in you. I can see like maybe the fruit of your lifestyle and take a guess, but at the end of the day, you know whether he's in you or whether he's not in you. And Christ in you is the secret to life. So think of it this way. Christ in your life is the secret to your life. I think this statement could really summarize the whole book of Colossians. Like what are we studying? What is the message of the whole thing? It's that Christ in your life is the secret to your life. You won't find the secret anywhere else. Even though you'll be tempted to look in every other place besides this one. Verse 26, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. So you can imagine the Old Testament era when Moses or David or Deborah or all these heroes of the faith, when they were, when they were you know, in faith praying to God, when they were contending with enemies, they, they had part of the story, but they didn't have the whole story. They didn't know what God had in store that not only would they have a relationship to God as subjects to a king, but they would have a relationship to God that was intensely familial, that they would actually enter fellowship with God. We learned last week that Jesus, as a part of the Trinity, was a part of an eternal fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the family of God. And for some crazy reason, God is inviting you to join his fellowship. It's pretty amazing. So in ages past, that secret wasn't out. There was still some mystery, but now it's revealed. Jesus in you is, in fact, what you've been seeking. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. So I thought we could break this down a little bit and just explore it, think, think it through. What does it mean to say, Jesus in your life is the secret to your life. And sometimes it's helpful when you're trying to understand something to look at its opposite, right? So I was thinking, well, where else do people look 
to find the secret to their life. Really, since Genesis 3, when people sinned and death was introduced in the human story, from that moment forward, all of us have been seeking life in different ways. Right? Because death isn't natural for us, but we all have to deal with it. Death wasn't supposed to be the normal state of things, but it is. So we're all on this kind of quest in our hearts to make our lives matter somehow, to find some sort of safety, to find some sort of purpose in a life that seems like, because of death, everything all ends up being futile. Think about how many, um, how many aspects even of your daily life are tied up in trying to find life, right? You want a happy life. Maybe you want the fountain of life or the fountain of youth. Go, go exploring, go find it somewhere. These days, we don't set sail to the new world to find the fountain of youth. We order supplements online, right? <laughs> and we think maybe this one will really do it. Uh, we want a satisfying life. We want a self-directed life. We want freedom. Like, don't tell me what to do with my life. I want to live my life to the fullest. We hope that maybe we can make our life longer somehow. Or that if we're going to be alive, we hope it's a high quality of life. We hope it's a healthy life. Now, these things aren't necessarily wrong, but all of them betray a need that we actually have in our souls. That something's wrong. This, isn't, this doesn't just happen. Like We're seeking this because we need it. So you could drive a level deeper, as we started to do last week. Think about our heart quest, the quest every person is on, for significance, for belonging, for security. Those are the things that animate us. They're the things that we wake up in the morning, and whether we put those words to it or not, that's usually what we're driving at. That's why we go to work. It's why we try to raise families. It's why we argue with coworkers or family members. It's, it's, it's in one way or another tied to our desire, our soul's need to find significance, belonging, and security. So we've learned already that the secret to our lives is Christ in our lives. But where else do people look to try to find these things? They look in all sorts of directions, right? Some people look to religious activities. So they'll think, you know what? I realize I need life, and so I'm going to get really, really religious. And maybe they check every box, and they do every ritual and they really, really seek God through religion. And I would say to you that there may be value in some of that, but that isn't the secret to life. You could seek your whole life long. You could fulfill every religious custom that is handed down to you and still in the end come up empty. Because religion is outside of you, it's not inside of you. Look at verse... 17 of chapter 2. He's talking about the new moon ceremonies, the Sabbaths, the religious customs. He said, For these rules are only shadows of the reality to come, and Christ himself is that reality. So you wouldn't want to spend your whole life pursuing the shadow, pursuing the example. That's just a picture of the reality. And the reality is Jesus, and he could be in you. That's what you seek. Okay, some people say, well, maybe I'll find life's secret in mystical practices. Maybe, it, maybe, if we, maybe if we uncover the hidden truth, 
Maybe if we get deep into the pyramids, we can find it there. Well, look at what verse 17 or verse 18 says. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they've had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. They're not connected to Christ. See, Christ is actually the issue. And so many people are looking in so many other directions to try to find what Jesus is making widely available. Some people would say, well, maybe I'll find life secret in my identity groups. And this is obviously fashionable today, right? That if you could just kind of come up with the right label for you, something that's really, really unique, but sort of what everybody else is doing too, that that will make you find significance, belonging, and security. And so that could be in the way you feel, could be in the color of your skin, it could be in the politics you maintain, it could be we, we look for some sort of group to say, oh, there's my people, that's who I am, that's what I am. Look to chapter 3, verse 11. It says, in this new life, that is in the Jesus life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Because your earthly sense of identification is not primarily who you are. Primarily, you are designed to be in God's family. And so unless you join God's family, you're still missing who you actually are. And any other label that you identify yourself by is not going to satisfy you. It's not going to meet your actual need. Some people say, well, maybe I'll find life's secret in material things. I don't know if any of us would say this because we kind of all know that it's not exactly correct, but some of us do really live this way, right? That if I could just earn a little bit more money, if I could have the next item that I've been wishing for, if I could just kind of arrange my life so that I've got enough money and I don't have to work anymore, then I'll find belonging, I'll find significance, I'll find security. Then my life will really come together. Jesus said in Luke 12 to someone who was worried about that, he said, beware of greed. Life does not consist in the things you own. And then he said, it's, a, it's a, only a foolish person would spend his whole life amassing stuff and not have a rich relationship with God. Because it's your relationship with God that actually matters. Okay, so you see the theme here? Each, each road that we want to walk down and try to find life on that road isn't, without Jesus in the picture, it just doesn't end up making sense. So here's a very American one. But really, it's not just Americans, it's everybody. Maybe we'll find life's secret in our own pursuit of happiness. Maybe we can have enough pleasure and enough fun today or tomorrow or the next day or wait a minute, am I even having fun right now? Like maybe we're so worried about fun. But let me ask you this. At the end of a life of fun, what do you have? Nothing. Fun is passing. Fun is temporary. It serves a purpose, but it's not your purpose. That's why the book of Ecclesiastes, which was written by someone who had enough wealth to essentially try everything, said life is pointless. He tried everything and he said, if your life is stuck under the sun, 
it's pointless. There's really no meaning that you can, you could try, you can get wise, you can be stupid, it doesn't matter. Life is pointless unless there's something else beyond it. Some people, maybe they say, I'll find life's secret and sacrifice or self-denial. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to do some good in this world. I'm going to help others. I'm going to set myself on the altar. I'm going to deny myself. Instead of going all in for pleasure, I'll deny myself pleasure. Instead, I'll just serve. Kind of reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13 where the author says, if I give everything I've got, if I surrender my body to flames, if I literally go as far as I possibly can in giving, if I don't have love doesn't mean anything. Some people will say, I'll find life's secret in popularity and relationships. Because it fe- that's closer, interestingly, to the actual answer. Right? So, so some people would say, like, I don't feel fulfilled in my life, I need a relationship. Well, that's true, but you're looking in the wrong place and the wrong kind of relationship. So let me ask you this, can a human relationship satisfy your life? What about like a really good human relationship? I mean, what if you find the perfect boyfriend? What if you find the most amazing wife? What if you show up at the perfect church? I know you won't be here next Sunday if you're going to go pursue that. (laughs) Um, Human relationships, as much value as they can add to our lives, they don't actually take the place of Jesus in our lives. And if we look for that, we'll come up missing every time. We'll, we'll be frustrated. We'll be sad. Think about it. Sometimes I think when, when you're young, it's more evident that you might actually be craving popularity. And then you get older and you get more sophisticated about how you go about that. But we're all still sort of doing it, right? Because we're worried about what other people think or are enough people liking my photo or do, do I have enough people that affirm what I'm doing? In the end, if that's what you look to to unlock the secrets of life, you'll be disappointed. Now, in our circles, that is in Christian church circles, some people, again, get really close to the right answer and still miss it because they say, okay, maybe I'll find my life secret in the Bible. Maybe if I study the Bible more, it'll happen. I'll feel it. Let me ask you this. When the Pharisees studied the Bible, in all likelihood they knew it better than you and I do, as far as like having maybe verses memorized, and I mean they just they were deep in it. Did they actually have life? Had they unlocked the secret to life? No, they were they were far from life. In fact, Jesus said to them in John 5:39, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you have life. But these are the scriptures that point to me. They were, they were, they were so close, right? Because they were actually reading the source material to find out who is God and what is his plan, but they were still missing life. So you can open the Bible every day. You can come to church every week. And you could still miss it. Because the Bible isn't the secret. Jesus in you is the secret. So, how will we experience that? 
what will we do to make this true? Jesus in your life is the secret to your life. Is Jesus in your life? So when Paul was writing to the Colossians, he said, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love, and I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So there he is. He is what your heart needs. Entering into God's family through Jesus is your pathway to finding significance belonging, and security, and nothing else in this world can satisfy you. There's no other way to find God except through Jesus. Jesus didn't say that because he was puffed up or proud or trying to be exclusive. He's saying it because it's true. The only way for you to re-enter the divine family, to be a part of what you were designed to be a part of, is Jesus. He's the good news. He's the pathway. Christ in you is your hope. So back in the 1600s, there was a philosopher named Blaise Pascal. Some of you have heard the phrase that there's a God-shaped vacuum in your heart or a God-sized hole in your heart. That concept comes from Blaise Pascal. And it comes from this statement that he made, talking about the yearnings of people's souls, like the, the search that we're all on, that we never quite get satisfied. He says, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim, but that there was once in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is an empty print and trace. The fact that we're all searching the fact that people will spend themselves in the pursuit of every possible way to find the answer to life tells us that there is something to find, that there's something built into us that we know isn't fulfilled. He continues, this he tries in vain to fill with everything around him. Seeking in things that are not, there the help he cannot find in those things that are, though none can help. And then here's what you've got to key into. Since this infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. So as much value as your spouse can add to your life, can they fill an infinite abyss in your heart? As much fun as the next car to drive or house to buy or movie to see might be, can it fill the real need in your heart? None of those things will work. So to the church of Colossae, who keep wondering, are we missing something? Is there some mystery to unlock that gets us where we're supposed to go? The answer is no. Jesus in you is what you need. Jesus, the fullness of God, is the only one who can fill your heart. He is your only way home into the family of God for which you were made. So the first step that we have to take when it comes to Christ being in us is to stop looking somewhere else. 
for the secret to life, for the answers our hearts are longing for. And instead, we look to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you're in me and I'm in you. I want to walk forward through life with you as my Lord. I want to walk forward in life as a part of your family. And every day as we grow in our understanding of that, our awareness of that, we grow closer to Jesus and our lives start to make a lot more sense. In the relationship with Christ, you'll find significance, belonging, and security. As chapter 3 says, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the series, he is your life. That is, you, your life, only makes sense, is only complete if Jesus is involved. Because he's the only way you can be a part of God's family. And that's what you were made for. It's kind of heartbreaking to think of how many people are missing that. Even people who come to church are missing it because they're looking down all these roads that won't lead them anywhere, thinking that maybe the next dollar or maybe the next like or maybe the next girlfriend will somehow help them find what life is all about when really they have it right in front of them. All they have to do is accept it. So you say, well, how do I have a relationship with Christ? What do I... What do I do? Say, well, on, on one level, you could start a relationship with Jesus the same way you would start any other relationship. Start with a conversation. Talk to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life. I want to know how to walk forward with you. If you look to chapter 2, verse 6, which we'll go a little deeper into next week, as a little preview here, the answer is that now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. There is real life waiting for you. You don't have to hunt through the jungle and find the fountain of youth to get to it. It's Jesus in you. That's where life is. So let's pray and ask God to help us realize that life. Jesus, I don't know where all of my friends in the room are right now in their personal relationship with you. I know all of us are tempted to search in the things of this world to try to find the answers that are not of this world. We know in our hearts that won't work, but we still are tempted to think that maybe the next thing or the next moment of happiness will fulfill us. Today I pray, Lord, that you would fill us with faith. Help us to see a vision of what life is supposed to be that we've never seen before. Lord, as you invite us into your fellowship, into your family forever, I pray that we would not neglect your invitation, that we would accept you as Lord and then continue to follow you, that we would recognize what it is you came to do and how you're saving us from our sin and our separation from you and giving us a path forward right now 
Lord, would you fill our hearts with faith and then teach us what it means to have a vibrant and personal relationship with you in the things we think about, in the decisions we make, in the way that we live. Our hope, our hope in this world and our hope for glory is all vested in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you next week.